0: About 23 years ago, I went to lunch with a gentleman who was probably in his 60s, later 60s. And when we were having lunch, it was clear to me that he was visibly upset. And so I asked him what was going on, and he said to me that he was preparing to go to the trial of a gentleman who had swindled a good friend of his, of all of the money that he had. In fact, he said to me that that the man went into such a despair that he ended up committing suicide. And my friend was uh, almost in tears as he said this. And this was a gentleman who had been a member of the church maybe 60, 50-something years. And he said to me, I don't care what the Bible says. I will never ever forgive him when he said that I couldn't help but to think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 18 when Jesus said I tell you if you do not forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will not forgive you it's amazing that While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, think about it. When we had turned our backs on God, in fact, as we look at the Old Testament, we see when we turned our backs against God over and over and over again, he still sent his son to die on a cross for us so that if we would just simply repent and turn towards him, we would be forgiven for all time. It's interesting as we've been doing this study on forgiveness, one of the things that we've seen which is, should be so surprising and shocking to us is just how hard it is for us to grab a hold of this thing called forgiveness. And yet it's the thing that's changed our lives. It's the thing that has allowed us to walk in the grace and the fellowship of God. It's the thing that has transformed us. Hopefully it's the thing that gives us joy every day in knowing that no matter how messed up we are, we're forgiven. And yet, when it comes to one another, We have a hard time giving it up. We have a hard time repenting in order to receive forgiveness. And when others come and even repent to us, we have a hard time saying, I forgive you. You know, I I, got to think, God must be in heaven looking down at us and just shaking his head going, what is wrong with you people? I did for you what no one else could do I did for you what you couldn't earn. Why hasn't it set you free? This morning we come to the end of our series on forgiveness. We've looked at the importance of it. We've looked at the mandate of it by God. We've looked at what makes it hard for us to forgive. We've looked at the conditions of forgiveness and the inclusion of repentance in order for forgiveness to take place. In fact, we've even looked at what makes it so hard for us at times to repent and receive forgiveness. As we close out this series on forgiveness, I'd like to do it with a better story than what I started with. A very similar story in a lot of ways, but a story that shows the beauty of forgiveness A story that shows the wonder of it. A story that is heart touching and a story that helps us to make sense of why this is such a gift. And so this morning, I'm going to tell you that story. We're going to look at it together. There are two great stories uh, of forgiveness in the Bible. Uh, we all, I think, know them. Uh, the first uh, is a story of the prodigal son, a beautiful story of forgiveness, of a young boy who uh, leaves his father. In fact, he doesn't just leave him. He insists upon his inheritance. Now, and in doing that, what he's really doing is he's saying to his father, you know what, you don't mean anything to me, and I've already considered you dead in my heart, So why don't you just give me what's due to me and I'll scram out of here. But when he does, he takes it and he blows it all and he ends up in a pig pen eating what the pigs are eating. And finally conviction comes upon him. He becomes broken and even embarrassed and remorseful of his stupidity. He goes back to his father and He works on an apology that he has begun saying, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. And yet before he gets it all out, his father forgives him. There's another story. It's a story told by the Apostle Paul. And it's a story that I want us to look at this evening. It's found in the book of Philemon. And in this book, Paul tells the story of two men. He tells the story of a man by the name of Onesimus and a man by the name of Philemon. Our story opens in a place called Colossae. Um, It is the home of a fairly wealthy man by the name of Philemon. Philemon was married and his wife was Aphia and they had a son named Achippus. At the time of our story Philemon's household has undergone a radical reformation. We're not quite sure the details of what took place but it looks like at some point maybe on a business trip Philemon took a trip from Colossae to Ephesus and while in Ephesus we suspect he probably heard the Apostle Paul preaching And from that experience, gave his life to Christ and met a new friend named Paul. Or it's possible that he heard Paul and met him, but later on accepted Christ when he got to know his pastor of the church in Colossae called uh, Epaphras. Either way, we're not really sure, but something happened. Somewhere along the line, Philemon came in contact with the gospel and it changed his household forever. The second person that we see in the story is a man we call Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. Um, At this time in the Roman Empire, there were over 50 million slaves. You could become a slave... A number of ways. You could become a slave because you were someone, someone in a foreign army who had been captured. You could become a slave because of some crime you committed or because of some debt that you held. And people could sell their slaves to others. Um, the average cost of a slave was right around 200000 up to $1 million. And so the fact that we see Onesimus as a slave in the household of Philemon. We know Philemon was a man who had some good wealth to him. Well, not only was he a slave, but he was probably a slave who had risen to a position of trust. We're told, as we look at this letter to Philemon, that something went wrong. And I suspect it was probably. As Philemon came to Christ. He became more loving and more benevolent. And benevolent to his slaves. And his slave by the name of uh, Omnismus Probably looked and said you know. This is my time to cash in. And so what it looks like from what we gather from the history, one night probably when everyone was asleep, Onesimus made off with a great amount of money and he split. He went to Rome to try to hide in the crowds of people so he could never be found. The interesting thing is he was found. He wasn't found by Philemon. He was found by God because while he was in Rome, he encountered the Apostle Paul. And in the midst of Paul's preaching, he came to Christ. Now that put Paul in a very interesting situation. In fact, it put him in a little bit of a pickle because he knew Philemon. And so as he came to know this man Onesimus and realized who he belonged to, he knew he needed to contact Philemon. He knew he needed to tell him what had gone on. In fact, he knew he needed to send Onesimus back. Now, at this point, Onesimus had come to Christ. In fact, Paul says in the letter of Philemon, not only did he come to Christ, but he was of great service to Paul. You can imagine how that conversation probably went. Uh, Paul telling uh, Onesimus, look, brother, You've you've got to go back. It's it's only right. I can't have you here serving me when legally you belong to somebody else. We got to get that straightened out. Can you imagine what that would have looked like? I'm sure Anismus would have said, "Paul, I thought you liked me." No, no, I I like you, Anismus, but but we have to do this. It's the right thing. I promise you, you'll be fine. I'm sure Onismus said, yeah, th- that's easy for you to say, Paul. Um, but I don't think so. And I'm sure Paul told him, look, just trust God, Onismus. Just trust God. And I'm sure Onismus probably, like I would have said, I do trust God. It's the rest of you I'm not too sure of. Paul said, look, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to go back and I'm going to give you a letter to hand him and it will explain everything and it will be fine. <laughs> if I were Nisimus, I would have said, sure, absolutely. You know what? Before I go, let me um, let me just run to the store for a pack of cigarettes. I'll be right back and you would have never seen me again. But you know what? The power of God's spirit in him and I'm sure the incredible incredible persuasion of Paul. Onesimus believed him and so he went. He went back to Colossae. He went back to the household of Philemon and he handed them, handed him a letter and we're going to look at that letter together right now because it is an incredible letter. It's a beautiful letter and it is packed with so much wisdom and so uh, let's look at it Um, we're going to take it right from the very beginning Uh, verses 1 through 11 I, I call the fellowship of forgiveness look what we read Paul writes Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother to Philemon our dear friend and fellow worker also to Athea, our sister, and our Chippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your house. Now let's go back and look at this again. Uh, Paul begins as he writes to them. He describes what fellowship is really about. He, he, let's look at verse 1. Paul. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, uh, Paul uses that term prisoner for a couple of reasons. One, he wants to identify with Onesimus because Onesimus was a prisoner. He was a slave. He had no rights. He had no freedom. And so, uh, Paul writes, and he identifies himself as a prisoner, uh, but as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, Um, because anyone who enters into fellowship with Christ Jesus is someone who understands that fellowship is discipleship, that fellowship is giving your life away. That's what discipleship is too. Uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, Uh, What is fellowship? Fellowship is when friendship. Comes together. With fellow workers. In Christ. Uh, You see it. What is it that brings. Paul and uh, Timothy. And Philemon. And Aphia and Achippus together. It's the fellowship they have in Christ. That's what forgiveness brings. When we forgive others we expand our circle something beautiful happens people who were enemies people who were alienated from us people that we avoided through forgiveness in Christ they now become friends and they become fellow workers friendship that leads to fellowship that leads to people who happily call themselves prisoners of Christ. Look what Paul says as he goes on in verse 3. He says, "Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Because that's what forgiveness brings. That's where it comes from. Forgiveness comes from the grace of God giving to us what we didn't deserve. And when we receive it and we extend it to others that's what it produces more grace and more peace grace and peace to you from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ that was the master plan of life forgiveness that brings the intimacy of fellowship with all of God's people Paul says verse 4 I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers Uh, I just got to say this forgiveness does something incredible in its fellowship God becomes personalized to us Paul says I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers personalization leads to conversation when we have a personal relationship with people those are the people that we enter into conversation with Paul's personalization of God leads him to conversation with God if you know Christ that's where it leads you the forgiveness that God has given you now gives you the ability to speak to him And so Paul, as he speaks of this fellowship, as he describes it in the beginning of this letter, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. What is it that forgiveness produces? It produces love because it comes from love. Love causes forgiveness and forgiveness leads us to love. And that love is something we receive and something we extend. He says, I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all of his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Love brings forgiveness. Forgiveness brings love and that love builds our faith in christ we are drawn into deeper fellowship with christ as we forgive others verse 6 paul says i pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of christ one of the incredible things about the fellowship that we have and the forgiveness that we have received is it draws us into deeper fellowship with christ but here's the thing to really grow deep in your fellowship with christ you can't do it alone i'm not looking to grow deep with jesus alone because it's not possible i grow deep as my brothers and sisters in christ grow deep and as they grow deep and i'm in fellowship with them i grow deeper and that's god's desire to build this rich fellowship that comes from forgiveness that through it all of the walls and obstacles and limitations of anger and of ignorance and prejudice are broken down and we're able to grow closer in such deep ways that our hearts and minds grow deeper and we become ever more mature in Christ. Paul says your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people therefore although in Christ I could be well let me just stop there. Gives me great joy and encouragement that's what i love about fellowship i could be laid up in a hospital bed and find joy in hearing the stories of what others are doing in christ jesus because in those stories my heart is connected with the center of god's heart and the center of his heart is the center of my will Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is my connection with Christ. And you see what we see in these verses in one through eight. We see that deep connection that comes because of forgiveness. In fact, that's a a principle I want to share with you and just take a moment. Um, There's a great principle that comes out of this passage. The principle is this. The effects of forgiveness are endless why is fellowship in Christ through his forgiveness so important because as we enter into that forgiveness we see that the effects of it the impact of it is endless because of what Christ did for us in forgiving us we will be able to do more than we could ever hope or imagine at the end of our lives we will look back and say I had a great run and it would have never happened if I hadn't taken hold of what had taken hold of me in Christ Jesus. But I don't think we'll be able to even say that if we're not able to say I took hold of it and through his spirit I extended it to others. And in others I saw the endless potential of what God was able to work through Christ Jesus. Remember that as you look at this book because this book is all about the fact that the effects of forgiveness are endless. Let's look at the next verse. Paul says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold, in order you to do what you ought to do, Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. I call uh, beginning at verse uh, 8 uh, the flavor of forgiveness uh, because what you see is that forgiveness comes out of love. That when we forgive someone it is not because somehow we have had something satisfied in us. We give forgiveness because we long to give it we long for people's repentance to be restored to God and to be used by God to be that vessel that says to another I forgive you let's look at eight at the beginning again Paul says therefore although in Christ I could be bold in ordering you to do what you ought to do but forgiveness doesn't do that Forgiveness is not something that can be forced. It has to be something that comes out of the love that has been given to us. We can't force people to forgive people. Who wants to hear that? To be told you have to forgive them. And if you don't, bad things will happen to you. Paul doesn't do that. In fact, we're going to see a little bit later that... uh, Philemon was indebted to Paul and Paul could have called in that marker but he doesn't. He says I could order you to do it but I'm not going to do that because that wouldn't be real. That wouldn't be right. I want you to do it out of love. Paul says it is none other than Paul an old man now also a prisoner of Christ. I have to tell you when when I did my research on that I found it a little bit disturbing. Um because it said, Paul was probably right around the age of 60 when he wrote this, right about my age. I'm not sure I want to throw on the towel yet and go by old man. But um, I do want to go by the title of prisoner of Christ as best as I can. But, but Paul says to him, look, I appeal to you as an old man and as a prisoner of Christ. Now I want you to think about it for a minute. There's something beautiful in that appeal. Paul has become an old man in Christ and he's become more tender. He's become softer. He's become more loving. He says that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Forgiveness will help you to grow an ever more sweeter, more loving life. A life where you will become more tender hearted. A life where you'll have your own children. In the sense of those people that you reach out to. That you help mentor and grow into Christ Jesus. That you help them to see the power of God's forgiveness. It's a beautiful thing he says. That as I've grown older. This forgiveness has taken more and more a hold of me. The man I mentioned earlier in the other story, that didn't happen to him. As he grew older, he became more and more bitter. He found more and more injustices, more and more offenses to the point that he couldn't forgive anyone else. Well, I I guess I take that back. He could forgive people that he felt deserved it. But you know the interesting thing about that? When we live like that, that pool of people becomes ever smaller. The more we struggle to forgive others, the more we will struggle to forgive anyone. Paul says, formerly, he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me now it's interesting because uh, the meaning of the name Onesimus means useful it means profitable Paul was using a play on words here he was saying this person who was once useless has now become who he was intended to be useful he says I am sending him I am sending him who is very who is my very heart back to you I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would seem voluntary. You see, the flavor of forgiveness comes in the favor of giving it to others voluntarily giving it as it has been given to us Jesus wasn't forced to go to the cross Jesus did at his own volition and yeah I'm sure it was hard but everything hard is everything profitable and though it was hard Jesus did What was the very core of who he was? And it produced the life and freedom we have now. Look what Paul says, verse 15. He goes from the flavor of forgiveness to the formation of forgiveness. He says, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer a slave but better than a slave. As a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother and the Lord. The formation of forgiveness. It forms us. Look what Paul says again in 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, but not as a slave anymore. It was almost, he had a leave to come back to you and to be of greater service to you. The service that comes voluntarily. The service that comes from being a free man. Paul says that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother. He's become dear to Paul and now that Paul has seasoned him, he gives him back to Philemon. Paul says this, verse 17, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. And then Paul says, I, Paul, who am writing this with my own hand, will pay it back. And now here's what we were talking about earlier. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Paul is saying this new person that you've become, yeah, it happened as I shared the gospel of Christ with you. We don't do benevolent things. We don't do kind things that people would owe us. I've tried very hard in my life to care for people, to do for people I've tried to live by a slogan that says give more than you take and I never give looking uh, to use it as a marker to call on somebody uh, to get something back. I will say this at least not for myself. There are times I will use it as a marker for them to do something good for someone else because I look at it as they're not doing me a favor. They're doing themselves a favor as they do a favor for someone else. That they might be able to share in the same joy that I shared in. In being able to freely give to someone else. And so Paul isn't calling a marker. He isn't saying well because I led you to Christ you owe me. He wants them to know I want you to have the opportunity. To do for Onesimus what I did for you. To extend yourself. To celebrate a new brother in Christ. Paul says. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. That's part of that give more than you take. Because when we receive much, if we've truly received it, if we receive everything as a gift of God, that it should encourage us to give back even more. As we close out this series, let me ask you, are there people in your life you need to forgive? Are there people who have come to you and have apologized and yet you still have them on probation? If there are, guess who else is on probation? You. It's time to parole yourself and to parole them. It's time to set them free that you might be free also. Are there people in your life that you need to repent to? That you need to go to and say, I'm sorry. That thing that happened, that was on me. And I want you to know, I truly regret it. You'd be surprised what will happen. You'll be surprised what will happen when you repent and when you forgive. You will see that the effect of forgiveness is endless. It's endless because it will transform your heart. You will grow deeper and richer in Christ Jesus. Your lot in life will become lesser. And you will build for yourself and most of all for God's kingdom friendships that are not only wide but that are deep. Friendships that in Christ Jesus when you come to the end of your life will truly make you feel rich and successful in Christ. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this wonderful letter. I thank you for the richness of it. I thank you for the promise of it. I thank you for the dynamic of what happens as we repent and as we forgive. And Lord God, as we grow deeper together, you are our God. Every day, let us personalize that. That through our personalization of you, there would be greater conversation with you and that through that conversation you would lead us and those around us into ever greater transformation in Christ. For we pray this in his precious name. Amen.